Hi, I'm Deanna. And I'm Ben. Welcome to Filmscape, a movie reviewing podcast. Today we're reviewing Wonder Woman 1984. This sequel finds Diana Prince in the titular time working at the Smithsonian Institution in Washington, D.C. Meanwhile, down on his luck businessman, Maxwell Lorenzano, he acquires a dream stone from the Smithsonian that grants wishes and becomes megalomaniacal television personality Max Lord. As Wonder Woman, Diana Prince teams up with her previously deceased lover, Steve Trevor, to stop Lord and the villainous Cheetah former Smithsonian employee Barbara Minerva from remaking the world using the Dreamstone. Ben, what did you think of Wonder Woman 1984? I have two questions about this movie. Who was responsible for making it and why did it turn out this way? Almost from the get-go, I said, oh no, this has problems. We begin with an opening scene. It's a flashback of young Diana as a little girl doing a She's basically doing an obstacle course. Yeah, she's running She's running an elaborate obstacle course, and it already was going on way too long as I was watching it, and there was no dialogue or anything. And I said, this could be accomplished in like three minutes, the point of the scene. But it goes on for like 15 minutes, and it was just, it just seemed, it just seemed like overkill. And then at the end, she loses because... She's apparently not supposed to take shortcuts, even though in life shortcuts can help. So that was already kind of wrong. (laughs) And the rest of the movie doesn't get much better. Essentially, there's one more action scene that opens things up, which I I, sort of liked. I need to to cut you off right there, though, because, yes, that was such a weird scene. But I kind of liked it just a teensy bit, like if it was accomplished in a really short amount of time as you mentioned, but I do think that the whole point of things being accomplished with shortcuts, it could have been conveyed in a better way. Like It seems like what they were going for was you can't cheat to get ahead and overcome your competition that way, but she wasn't cheating. She was taking a shortcut. There's nothing wrong with taking a shortcut if you're running a race to get to the end. I mean, that happens all the time. It's just in life. So I'm just saying it's not really a viable lesson. But it's also about, it's not just, it is about that, but it's also about don't take shortcuts to get to what you want, ultimately. Because that also leads into her being with her previously deceased lover, Steve Trevor, who then... That's in, that in itself is a shortcut because of the Dreamstone. So we, well, yeah, th- this this movie, if, if you heard the plot of this movie and you haven't seen it, it probably sounds pretty wild, and that's because it is. We should just briefly go over what happens just to give a synopsis here. Essentially, there's this magical gemstone that was made by the gods or something, they find out eventually, called the Dreamstone, as we mentioned, and it grants the owner three wishes or uh, it grants them one wish and so maxwell lord basically he creates a loophole where he wishes to be the dreamstone and this this just gets more and more bizarre because then he has to like run around convincing people to declare their dreams to him while so holding he, his hand or like or or all oh, right yeah he has yeah, to touch them yeah or he has to like touch them or 
Uh, yeah, and he, he makes it, like, such a big deal because he wants to basically make things happen the way he wants. He's a down-on-his-luck businessman, and he comes across this magic dreamstone that sort of seduces him, or he basically decides to take advantage and use it for his own nefarious purposes and to make the world the way he wants it. And then, in a completely unrelated side story... There's a new Smithsonian employee, as we mentioned, who becomes the cheetah, played by Kristen Wiig. And I like Kristen Wiig, but I thought she was completely wrong for this part. And this part was also completely unnecessary and didn't impact the main story at all. It was just, like, fluff. And so I know the cheetah is a real villain in the Wonder Woman comics, but she was just shoehorned in there. And that just was not... Like, they, they could have done... So, so she and Maxwell Lord are basically the villains, and Wonder Woman spends the entire movie trying to uncover what the Dreamstone is, how to stop Max Lord, and that's how the whole thing goes. And essentially, there's no reason for Max or Cheetah to be allied or anything, and they just sort of end up together at the end. And the movie could have written in any BS excuse, make them brother and sister, and everything else could be the same. Like, they could have pulled anything out of their hat to create some kind of superficial random connection to justify her being there if they wanted to have two villains instead of one because it's a sequel it has to be bigger but they just didn't even do that and so there's those kinds of things in the script that shows that lack of effort really just showed is i think is maybe the reason why this turned out so kind of bland and just sort of cliched and generic as you mentioned about Kristen wig i love Kristen wig i think she's great but You know, a lot of people don't think that she's right for this role. I do think it is peculiar, and I really, I think because I didn't really know any of the context of the movie going in, what was going to happen, anything. I really didn't know where it was going to go, what exactly her point was going to be, but I was actually happy that she was in the movie until I realized that they were going to make her a hobo street cat, and that she, as Ben likes to say, that she came walking out of cats. She Um, wandered off the set of cats. The hit movie from last year that I think Hollywood already wants everyone to forget, but we're not going to forget. I love Kristen Wiig too, but she didn't have anything funny to do in this movie. Why was she so, even in there? She was wasted. And that I mean yeah. I like her so much, and that's what makes me even more she confused as why she was even there. She could have been used more effectively. And I also think that if the movie was going to have two villains, it could have been also maximized in a way that made you feel like they were really again as ben mentioned was really being used where they had a better connection they had actual reasons to be allied together not just because cheetah realizes at some point hey i wanna i don't like wonder woman let me stop her or something so then so then what happens is then she's like oh i don't wanna i don't want her to succeed so i'm just gonna say hey max lord do whatever the hell you want i'm just gonna keep messing with diana and just live my life when she's introduced she's an employee at the smithsonian and meets diana wonder woman and she's sort of intimidated by her and likes her and so it's just they're, they're trying to do this sort of she's jealous of her she becomes jealous of her then and then she becomes a villain at the end well, and it just looks... feels kind of sh- it just feels kind of forced like there, there's well, nothing diana like... doesn't do anything to her there, there's nothing there. It's, they just make it like this petty rivalry that's not really born of anything other than just pure jealousy that Diana's I, so 
degraded her job or i, I don't I think even it's know a few things so i think that um that in, in this particular case i i think initially it's not necessarily jealousy i think that she looks up to diana because she's so confident in herself she's so comfortable with who she is she you is know, wonder woman yeah That's she is wonder too. woman except she didn't realize that obviously till later but then it's not until later when when she realizes that she wants to be more like diana and that then becomes with you know through the dreamstone then that and she wants to have more power like diana that that kind of brings rise to her developing similar powers to her and by doing so then she ends up having this animosity towards diana or wonder woman because she realizes that hey you have all this stuff that has been technically given to you and i'm just some lanky lady living my life who feels like i have to work at it and and so then when she finally makes this wish for herself she feels like now she's angry at this person who has everything kind of handed to her in her particular that's her impression and and i think that's when she becomes angry and starts instead of being friendly and originally looking up to her it turns towards that animosity and fear and anger and just general violence towards her i think what you're talking about is is generally definitely amplified when she finds out that she's wonder woman right and then she becomes the villain and wants to one-up her because not only is she such a smart imposing successful smithsonian person but then she's also the superheroine wonder woman when she's revealed and so that kind of pushes her over the edge and i think what you're explaining how you're explaining cheetah the how she becomes a villain all sounds pretty good and solid in concept right you're you're interpreting it very well but i think the movie didn't it did not execute it well at all what you're describing is how it really should have been displayed and it really wasn't unfortunately and i think they could have done that if they had if they saved her for wonder woman 3 and had her be the villain that could have been developed and been something interesting or have her be the focus of this and save Maxwell Lord for the third one. They obviously right. weren't able to develop either of them enough and have them both in there. With Max Lord, as he's called, Pedro Pascal is a fine actor, but his character was also pretty... It was schlocky. This whole movie was schlocky. So the whole idea of a magic, basically a stone that acts like a genie and gives you your wish in a modern live-action superhero movie is such a strange concept that gives rise to so many questions that are just not even really dealt with in the movie and it just becomes it don't by the climax it becomes unintentionally hilarious it's a hot mess it's yeah this movie is a hot mess basically this movie is two and a half hours long first of all for no reason yes and let me just circle back to my questions at the beginning the reason i said that is because the baffling thing about this movie is it opens with this 10 minute obstacle course scene that has this weird half-baked message at the end then the next scene is wonder woman saving some patrons at a mall and it's so corny and cartoony that i sort of liked where it was going because i thought i'm actually okay with this because i would take this in my dc superhero movie any day over the dark brooding nightmare world of the Zack Snyder films. And I said, if this whole movie is going to be lighthearted, colorful, fun, almost children's movie-esque, 
Wonder Woman Adventure Time, I was on board with that because that doesn't really exist yet except in cartoon form. But the movie does not go that route. After these two scenes, there's over an hour. It felt like an hour and a half where nothing happens. There's no action scenes. There's nothing even exciting. She's it's not just even scene Wonder after Woman. scene of people talking and she's not even Wonder Woman for over an hour straight. And I'm all for superhero movies that take a more slow, contemplative, character-driven approach, like Unbreakable, for example, if that's the way you want to go. But this is not that. It's repetitive scene after scene of people talking, trying to figure out the plot that we are already seeing happen with the Dreamstone and figuring things out. Things pick up a little bit and are a little more exciting when Steve Trevor comes back, which also happens in a very bizarre way. He brings a little bit of life to the movie, but it's just kind of a slow plotting mess. And I just don't know what they were thinking with that. They, sh they could have cut 45 minutes from this movie. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you that they could have cut a, a, a big chunk of the movie out. It would have saved a lot of people, a lot of time, and kind of the energy that they put into watching the film. The purpose is to entertain. It is entertaining to a degree. And is it though? <laughs> I think that like if you're just like trying to do something to pass the time, it fits the bill. But at the same time, you're thinking, "What the hell am I doing with this time?" Because you are wondering. Wow, a like, ringing endorsement. Wait, <laughs> because you're wondering when, like, when exactly will she be Wonder Woman? When you know, because it is called Wonder Woman 1984. I'm sorry, but I don't know why it's even set into 1984. Are we actually in the book of 1984? They didn't take. They didn't do that um, much with the 1980s nostalgia, which I was happy well, with. Well, they did but with then the outfits. I was wondering. They, they did. did they did. The, they did a montage scene with the outfits. Right. That we've seen so a million when they times. so when they brought back Steve Trevor, which in the way that they did that, I did not like the way they went about it because basically. In the Dreamstone, with the Dreamstone, Diana Prince makes this wish that she wants her beloved back. Real quick, just to set this up, we should have mentioned this earlier. World Wonder Woman 1 took place in World War 1. This jumps all the way to 1984. That is 60-something years that she's been living her life, having adventures, I assume, and having a secret identity. There's all kinds of storytelling potential of what Wonder Woman is doing after her origin story with the first Wonder Woman. But we just skip to this. She's basically lonely. She has no friends. She doesn't have a romantic partner. And it sort of implies that she is wanting some of those things. And so enter the movie and this is what we get. So Right. So she has I, this so she has this potential even with uh, with Barbara Minerva, which is, again, Kristen Wiig. She has the potential to have a friend, and it starts off that way, and then it kind of goes sideways, which is really unfortunate because, again, that could have been her potential to actually have a friend after 60-some years of being alone. The other thing is that when she is making a wish through the Dreamstone and she wants Steve Trevor back, who she barely even was with in the first movie... They basically fell in love and had... A passionate romance and then he had to sacrifice himself to save the day and so she's able to wish for him back and he does this strange body swap where he possesses an innocent person credited as handsome man and only she can see that he's steve trevor but everyone else just sees this innocent bystander and so they have adventures together in the course of the movie aka handsome man so you have this kind of 
small moment where you see him and you think, okay, there's this guy, all right, maybe there's potential, what's going on? You Then you realize that actually his body is then used as a vessel for Steve Trevor and he's not even part of the consent process. It's just him being some dude whose body's being taken over by some dead dude's soul. So then that happens and then at some point they manage to engage in loving intercourse but again she's with some random guy who she doesn't know this is all very someone who she doesn't know it's all all very poorly set up and this is this is inevitably where the mind goes and this is the fault of the movie that they didn't explain this in freaky friday for example i just thought of that because of a body swap movie the rules are clear and and the as the course of the movie goes along it does a really good job making use of that comedy premise now, this is just one detail in a big superhero movie, but they don't even establish if this is Steve Trevor's body, if this is the handsome man's body the whole time. It's basically implied that it's the latter. She sees him as Steve Trevor, and that's whose soul it is, but I think it's still this random guy's body going on these crazy adventures. Yeah, and there's moments and glimpses where you see this, the man, again, credited as handsome man, who you see his face randomly, but most of the time you're seeing Chris Pine's beautiful face. And so what happens here is that throughout the film, you're, you're seeing Chris Pine. And it just seems really, really bizarre that you you have, you know, as the viewer, you're like, okay, yay, like she's reunited with this person who she fell madly in love with and all this time. But again, I mean, I'm not trying to be mean or awful or anything but again as a movie and as wonder woman being this concept in this platform to stand upon you know uh individuality and obviously feminism it brings upon her being so forlorn for this one person who passed away 60 plus years prior and then who comes back so that that's another issue so the body swap thing is bizarre and just very odd handled in a very odd way, and that was a subject of controversy. It also the fact that Wonder Woman has established, Diana Prince, that she's been pining for Chris Pine, no pun intended, uh-huh. and that she says at one point that he's her reason for living or something along those lines, which I couldn't believe when I heard. I was like, really? For 60 years later, you still feel this way after having probably unseen Wonder Woman adventures? Because at the beginning of the movie, she's clearly ready to go, and will suit up as Wonder Woman if there's trouble brewing in some mall. So, honestly, there are all kinds of adventures, all kinds of stories, all kinds of times they could have set this movie. If they want to bring back the Steve Trevor character, just have him appear as Steve Trevor. If it's a wish, it can be anything. Why did he have to possess some random guy's body? People, and they don't even explain it. It's it's just so weird. People, people wouldn't... It's incredibly likely that people would not have recognized him at all unless it was some random ass relative that was like you look like my great great grandpa or something unless like he again he probably never had kids or like you look like my great uncle or something you know like something weird like that but yeah you know other than that like it's just a movie where it's all over the place so i know that then you know when you have maxwell lord and all these wishes and he's making people touch him and like i don't know he's going to different countries to make things happen the way he wants it to happen the thing that's really sad about it is that yes he's megalomaniacal but at the same time he's also trying to create this standard for his kid who he thinks does not respect him 
And it's really, really sad because you think about it and his kid comes to his office and he's there and he's like, don't worry, I'm going to make things happen. Like, I'll, I'll make sure we have money because for a while, yeah, he's down in his luck. But when you, when you watch the film, you're thinking, oh, like this poor kid, you know, like he just wants his dad to be okay. And he loves his dad no matter what. But the dad, for some reason, doesn't think that. He thinks that he has to have success and money in order for his kid to love him. That's not the case. Max Lord, he's not a terrible, evil person. You know, Wonder Woman tries to redeem him. Basically, it is hinged on him trying to make a better life for him and his son. And there's potential there for someone in a moment of weakness if they're struggling in a low point in life and they come across a dreamstone that grants wishes if the movie wants to be that kind of cliched if that's really going to be the crux of the supervillain then fine i guess but the way they went about it was so odd and a lot of the movie is just sort of building that up and him setting up all these big attempts at remaking the world which leads us to the big ending diana what did you think of big exciting climax of this movie we've built up over two hours long and we get to the ending what were your thoughts i thought it was really uh interesting that the way that they chose to deal with the ending and the dreamstone because again max lord he becomes the dreamstone but then he becomes overtaken by it and then he wants everyone to like make wishes to make things happen relating to the dreamstone but then diana prince is somehow able to talk to him so these are some mild spoilers will follow, so skip ahead if you don't want to hear us talk a little bit about the ending of this movie. It's just really bizarre because she's talking to him and trying to tell him, you don't have to be this way, everything's okay, you know, and kind of trying to set himself free and tell him, you know, to relinquish his wish and through that he would be normal again. She's trying to save him. He breaks into the White House and he's ranting at the television and she is there trying to stop him as he is trying to communicate to the world that everyone should get everything that they want and make all their wishes come true, which lead to some hilarious cutaways. All you Irish should go back to where you came from in like a diner arguing people. Then these immigration police show up and start rounding them up. It was so strange and just so wrongheaded. I was almost laughing because I was like, is this really happening was... in this movie? This is so weird and just so, it was so literal that I just again, couldn't help but laugh. Just I was think like, about this it. is terrible. You just know, the way it was executed it in the movie executed that it was a cutaway. Well. It was almost like trying to be funny. And I, I was just baffled at that. It was, it wasn't trying to be funny literally, but that's how it came across. I mean, even. I, it was, I couldn't help but just laugh. And there were other parts of this movie, a lot of parts of this movie that, gave me that reaction and that's not how i felt watching the first wonder woman except right. when it was trying to be funny because there were some funny parts in that first wonder woman movie and that really was a very well done streamlined great comic book movie certainly the best dc movie in in a number of years but that did end in a huge loud crazy climactic battle ending and what's interesting about wonder woman 1984 is it does not have a typical big exciting ending, especially for how long it is. It's literally just Wonder Woman communicating to the world through Max, making this long-winded, cliched speech full of general platitudes about how it's wrong to wish for what you want. What about all the people who wished for a cure for cancer? And what about all the good wishes? But she says, in life you can't make wishes, nothing... 
things don't come easy and it just goes on and on and on. And I said, at least I'm not getting a headache from a mind-numbing, crazy, cacophonous, ridiculous fight scene. But is this really better? I, I don't really think so. It's also hard. I mean, I think the other thing that made me kind of annoyed was that she's like holding on tightly to like this wall or something. And there's and papers it, swirling yeah, all around and, the room. And it's because and of it's the loud. power of all the people talking and like and because of the dreamstone and just the general energy. But she's Wonder Woman and she's like holding on to this thing and, and there's papers swirling everywhere. And I'm thinking, how the hell is she holding on to this thing? Like, is, is like, is this actually effective or is this just like to make the point that like, hey, he's strong, but like somehow she's hanging on. I don't know. A battle but, of wills. I, I, I don't know. Something dumb. So this movie doesn't explain a lot of things. Yeah. So, but basically it, it's it's very peculiar because again, there's no real ending of with, with a a fight scene in that way. I mean, there's the fight scene with Cheetah and that's different. But, oh, that was embarrassing. And and that was really, really weird. And it's really funny when I was speaking with family members about that because even when you think about that, so she, at one point, when she's with her wonderful Steve Trevor, she's in her house and, you know, they're trying to do their own, like, little espionage relating to Max Lord and Cheetah and all this stuff. And they see this, and he then points out this suit and the suit that they realize belonged to this warrior in her land. You might recognize this suit if you've seen the marketing for this film. It's the big gold full body eagle suit. She wears this suit for all of five minutes in the movie. And it's at this point you realize that it was only in there to slap onto the poster and the marketing to give it a cool look. But she never wears it except for these five minutes. Then she just takes it off yeah, for the battle. And, so that well, she, was a miss that so, that was a not that wasn't followed through with either. Yeah, so she's wearing she's wearing that and that's all fine and good, I guess, but but basically what, what happens is she looks at it and he's like, What's that? And she mentions that it's from again her country, like you know, like her land, the way it works, everything. And they barely even touch upon it and, and she's like, Oh, you know, she was powerful and you know, this thing really this thing really protected her when she had to go against all these people and she does portray it as being this really powerful thing but then when she's up against cheetah she again wears it for like five minutes and then decides oh it's actually not all that powerful because i guess cheetah's somehow more powerful than me or she's beating it up too much that i actually have to give up and like take it off except it's it's like again she's only taken it off because it looks good to take it off because again movies have to make statements i think there was too, i think the budget wasn't there enough maybe for her to wear it the whole time because there's no reason for her to put it away and there's no reason for some cat's knockoff to be more powerful than wonder woman in her ancient amazonian demigod eagle warrior badass armor outfit yeah and and, and then so which, which in itself was crazy that she wore it again five minutes and then had to take it off and it was really funny when i was speaking to family members because they even said, oh, you know, she, she had it on and then it's like, what was the point of all of that and her being Wonder Woman in that way when it's, it's like she wasn't even she wasn't even wearing the damn thing. It's like, what was the point of that marketing if it's not even part of really, you know, the actual basis of the whole film? I mean, she yes, she takes it off, but it really didn't last the length of time or, or it really didn't have as much of a 
impact into the film as I really think it could have and should have. And yeah, I, I think that, yes, that was a fight scene, but it was embarrassing because, again, you have this... It looked like it was from 2003. The effects were the CGI, embarrassing. everything. It was just so bad. And, and I, I just really... It made me feel really bad because... I also thought about it as like I felt like yes when there were when there were scenes that were not with CGI it was really it was pretty visually because obviously there was good lighting and I do think that Patty Jenkins tried to do a good job with at least trying to make sure things looked nice and making sure that with like her direction in that way and but I think that with Diana Prince kind of just having to go into the scene and, and you know and fighting against Cheetah it kind of messed up the rest of like whatever visual beauty there was in the rest of the film because it really it, felt it really stuck out it felt out of place yeah and I mean it, it also made me feel like again I was watching a movie from when I was like really young or something like I, I mean it, this movie reminded like kind of what Ben was saying earlier like it reminded me like of a movie that I would watch when I was like a small child and how schlocky it was and just oh well this person tries to save the day and la 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 and like that's kind of how it comes off this whole movie really felt like the plot of one of the Wonder Woman cartoon shows and it wasn't exciting or streamlined enough to work in that way because like I said that's kind of how the movie started and I was on board with that but it's just too dull and repetitive again with over an hour of not wearing the Wonder Woman suit it wasn't that either unfortunately which I don't think is all that difficult to pull off that seems pretty intuitive to make a Wonder Woman movie so you mentioned that it was a visually nice looking movie which I agree with Patty Jenkins is obviously a good director what are your main positives for Wonder Woman 1984? The main positives I have really are the visuals of the film. And because I, to me, like that was what really made me enjoy the experience more than anything. Other than that, like it felt kind of like, okay, well, what's going to happen next? Is there anything actually worth like watching? <laughs> we watched it during the time in, on HBO Max when, you know, it was really the big event. And uh, the first big movie HBO Max was dropping both in theaters and on their new streaming service. Right. And so, I, I mean, you really expected that it, there would be a little bit more out of that, especially as the first movie being dropped. We love HBO Max and we use it very, very, very frequently. But I do think that with this particular moment, it just felt really weird. And, um, and I don't think it's HBO's fault. No, Unfortunately, they no. didn't make the movie. It, no, it's not their fault. But I, I do think that it was really pretty. And I like that they tried to infuse moments of humor. I do like that about the film. I just think that the, that there were moments in which certain montages, such as her having Steve Trevor with her, and they did a whole 1980s getting dressed montage and him wearing a bunch of different outfits. Like, yeah, that was funny. But then at a certain point, you're like, okay, well, when are we going to get to the point of when this is going to be actually productive to the story because i don't know it wasn't necessary but again you want to infuse some sense of humor in a movie where you want people to feel like they get something out of it i mean maybe that was part of it you wanted people to feel like they had some sort of positive experience amongst everything else i think a good example is if you think to the best Marvel movies in the MCU, those are fun, exciting, fast-paced, well-made movies that are entertaining for the most part and not stupid. And they're able to have a lot of, some more than others, but they generally have a lot of humor and lighthearted moments while taking the plot and the threat seriously. And 
balancing those things is pretty important in making a successful fun to watch superhero movie but the first wonder woman pulled that off pretty well certainly in a way that the Zack snyder movies didn't but it still took place in world war one there was a lot of pretty gritty dark war parts of that movie i didn't mind but it, it was a pretty dark setting at times to have colorful wonder woman antics so that movie did pull it off pretty well but after it was over, I remember thinking, I want to see more of this. And especially since the sequel will take place much later, maybe in the current time, we didn't know at that point. But I was ready for some full-on, more superhero, colorful adventures taken to the present. And this movie was supposed to be that, but it really wasn't for the most part. And so my positives would be that I think it is well-directed. It is watchable for what that's worth, even if you don't get a whole lot out of it. And the story is plotting. And I appreciated that there weren't any cacophonous, mind-numbing action scenes like in the other recent DC movies. But I'm not sure that there was a whole lot worthwhile that replaced that. I also feel that uh, certain action scenes and the execution was not as well as it could have been because, you know, there's the whole scene when they're trying to meet up with Max Lord when he's in, I think, Saudi Arabia or Egypt. That's the first action scene yeah. we get since the mall one. Yeah, that's which I remember upon watching that with Ben that we both kind of thought, are they driving 15 miles an hour? Because they were driving so slow while she's running and doing all these weird things and, and it just, it felt so fake and i mean yes it was exciting that they managed to go and they're trying to get the bad guy but just again the way it's executed as we mentioned it is very schlocky because they just so happen to be passing the car that's while... right it's just a coincidence it's that a they coincidence even see them. they're driving to try to go and find him and they're like wait a second that's him Let's turn around. Which and like, in a more lighthearted, fun movie could have been, I guess, a fun way that they collide. But in this, it just falls apart. And as the as an actor in that scene, you must have thought, really? Like, that's what we're doing? <laughs> Reading the script for the first time, you go, yeah. really? That's our first big confrontation? Yeah, you think, like, is that really what's going on here? And will that be executed the way I think it is? Or am I making this up? Because when you read the script versus what actually happens when you see a film or you watch a play play can turn out very differently depending on how it's directed so i don't know exactly in this particular film how the script was laying it out but i know that the way that at least as a viewer that it was seen it looked it just seemed like too much of a coincidence too peculiar and the, the movie had too many coincidences it had too many moments that felt like they were it, there for plot convenience exactly so Yes, the movie is watchable, visually intriguing, but it does take two and a half hours of your time. And I do think that, again, it, it could have been ex executed in a much better fashion. If the whole story was basically rewritten and yeah. they made some connections and they only had characters that were given a whole arc and a point in the movie, yes, it could have been much, much better. I'm just surprised given how entertaining the first movie was, how there were some really great superheroine moments for Wonder Woman that was just so refreshing to see. 
after the nightmare fest of Man of Steel and especially Batman v Superman that it's just strange how different this movie is. It feels like it was made by a completely different team, a completely different filmmakers than the first one. It's very strange. It threw me off. One of the things I thought about that felt kind of like random, but also a very good point was that they're going to try to see Max Lord, but they have the scene where they're in that jet and they manage to steal it. The Smithsonian or whatever, like they, they, they managed to steal some jet. Most places do not leave jets just available and gassed up and able for you to go and get them. And then she, and then she's able to go and like make it invisible when she's like, I've never, I've only been able to do it with one object. Oh, when and she try when she's in the jet with Steve Trevor. That's a reference to Wonder Woman's invisible jet from the, uh, that, that's one of her vehicles in the comic right. books, but they kind of just shoehorn that in. Yeah. She says, I've never done this, and she just makes it happen. It's like, yeah, oh, okay, I, mean, I guess that's a reference. I mean, I, I, I like that they tried to make a reference, but I do not like how they did it. They Pointless could have, references are, exactly, stick out. They could have made it way better. Like, they could have made it have, where she shows that skill in a different way, you know, in another moment in the film where she's able to do it somewhere else where she's practiced that in her 60 years and then she's able to then use it on this jet and and be like okay we can get there we'll be inconspicuous and it'll be great and they you could know, have set that up because that's definitely a hallmark of wonder woman is her invisible jet and they just it just comes out of nowhere yeah i mean it's interesting because towards the end when they find when everything finally goes back to normal and she and you know and then she has to relinquish her her wishes and everything and she loses her beloved and everything again this is a spoiler but when she finally finally loses her beloved it's like again she feel she she still has that feeling like i can't live without you she's it's like she still hasn't learned there's nothing has changed for the character at the end the biggest problem one of the biggest problems of this movie is that you don't get a, much of a sense of who Diana is after the 60 years since she first became Wonder Woman. And then at the end of the movie, nothing really changes. This was also appalling. She winks at the handsome guy who Steve Trevor had possessed the whole time. He's completely, he's unknown about all of this. And it sort of implies that maybe they'll get together. And it's like, really? That's, that's all? It's like she's gone in a big circle. Nothing has changed. What was the point of any of this? I don't know. Yeah, at the very end when she finally... Yeah, I, I immediately thought about that. And I thought about how she sees that handsome guy and he's wearing this outfit. And he and he's like, oh yeah, like I thought this would look good. And it's exactly like the, the way that she would have designed the outfit for, for, for him had he been Steve Trevor. It's and, very, very strange. And and um and she's like, Yeah, and then and it's kind of a peculiar moment. And then what happens with them is that she just kinda is like, Oh, okay, that's the guy and she goes on to like live her life and you do think like, are they going to be together? But it is really, really weird because he is none the wiser, but as the viewer, at the end, I thought to myself, I was kind of appalled that this poor guy, he didn't consent to anything that happened and he could have died. Like, he literally was in these action scenes as Chris Pine, but he could have died at any point and they had no regard for his safety or anything that was going on for him at all. It was ridiculous. It, it was really just, I, I, it was just, and, you know, they again, there could have been more acknowledgement of that and there was none of that. They could have just, like I said, they could have just had him fall from the sky and Chris Pine is back. He, he, Steve Trevor goes, what happened? I'm here. She made a wish. They could have done anything. Why they did it that way is baffling. You know what's strange to me is that Wonder Woman is, she's the ultimate female superhero, a feminist icon for decades. And this movie ends up being insulting to both men and women. Yeah, and it feels that way. And, 
And I, I mean, <laughs> it, it feels that way. And I felt that way at the end of it. I felt... Everyone gets insulted. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I, you know, and so it's just something where, like, again, I had, again, I had family members who felt kind of like, wait, what was the whole point of that? She's supposed to be this image and this particular, she's supposed to stand for something. And, and in the end, she feel, you feel like she's being, it's retroactive because she's not actually, she's sad, forlorn for her lover, no matter what, even when she has to give a, give him up in the end. You know, she's technically assaulted some random guy and and let him almost, like, be killed And you know, when they go on the mission. This guy doesn't even have a name. It's Handsome Man. Yeah. You know, like, but, but even so, even in the movie in general, like, you know, and then she's trying to, yes, she has the good enough character and a good enough moral compass to try to save people, of course. I mean, that's, like, who she is. And that's really the best part of what you get out of Wonder Woman for her but the rest of it you feel that for other values in which she stands for that make you feel like wow I feel like I like I want to be more like Wonder Woman no I feel like I am actually better than Wonder Woman after the solid foundation and all the goodwill that Wonder Woman 2017 established and all the potential that a sequel could have had I don't feel like this did anything or explored her character in any meaningful ways. I think when Wonder Woman 3 eventually comes along, I'm not sure this installment will have made any difference or any kind of impact for her or for her adventures or anything. So I'm not sure who this movie is for or what it was trying to accomplish. I can definitely see the next installment of Wonder Woman being some sort of version that manages to learn from, we hope, to learn from the mistakes of the second movie. And then just like other unfortunate movies where they've been like, oh, 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 we had a second movie, but it was shit. So like, let's make the third one the actual second one. I would not be surprised if they did something like that and tried to make the third one seem like it was really supposed to be the actual real sequel. They can follow the Terminator formula where every sequel they make retcons the previous sequel and says, no, 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 this is the sequel to T2. All the other sequels don't count over and over again. I think that franchise is done. I hope Wonder Woman has a better future than that. Diana, would you recommend Wonder Woman 1984? If you're bored and have time, I guess, but no. I didn't hate this movie. Right. I would rather watch this than the Zack Snyder ones, but that's not saying a whole lot. Exactly. I don't know who I could recommend this to. The only demographic I could think of is maybe seven-year-old girls. If you have a little daughter, that's kind of the mental level that this movie is operating on. But part of me would also think that kids would be bored to tears with this movie over an hour where she doesn't even put on her wonder woman suit i think they'll just be watching tiktok videos on their phone it's really unfortunate because my one of my parents they it shows a lot where one of my parents who really loves movies which is where i get it from they ended up watching the movie but not really they basically had it as background noise and that was the function of the movie they literally were working and they were like this movie isn't entertaining enough for me this movie is not enough for me so i'll just like listen to it while i'm doing my actual work just because no one else is around so if you want the movie for that do that then look up from your work when you notice that she put on her wonder woman suit and said oh she's wonder woman what's going on and then when it's over you can go back to your work because you're really not missing a whole lot you're missing lots of plot filler i don't even want to say plot it's just a lot of filler lots of people talking the story doesn't end up 
being that complicated or anything. You don't need two and a half hours to tell this story. You could have easily made this a streamlined, tight, one hour, 45 minute, lighthearted adventure where you have one villain who's well established, he or she and Wonder Woman have a rivalry, and that would be just fine. Throw in some colorful, fun action scenes. This movie should not have turned out this way, where there's so many creative elements, so many comic book stories, so much potential to work with. Hi, Film Booze. If you want to contact us with comments, questions, or your thoughts on the film, you can reach us at filmscaped at gmail.com. That's F-I-L-M-S-C-A-P-E-D at gmail.com. Your question or comment may be featured on our next episode.